Hello, welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is your facilitator, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I want to encourage everyone to find their awesomeness. It is a choice. Let's begin your learning experience to achieve your awesomeness. Hello, Lorraine Aguilar. How are you today? Dr. Dave, happy to be here. Yeah, isn't it a wonderful opportunity for us to just gather and share information? Absolutely. Yeah, so we're like just hanging out here at um, the Scrum Coaching Retreat in, wow, where are we again? Berkeley? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is yes. this the place you used to hang out at? I came of age here, Dr. <laughs> well, I would really like to know what that means, coming of age. Oh, as an undergraduate from a very sheltered background, what a wonderful place to just to blow my mind and open me up in so many lo lovely ways. It's an amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about what, what do you want to talk about today? Because we're going to flow. <sighs> we're going to <Yeah>. flow. We're <laughs> agilists. We're going to be lean thinkers, design Absolutely. thinkers. What do you want to flow on today? Well, you know, I love how you just gave me free license to talk about whatever is up for me. Yeah. And so, you know, even though we're both here for, for agile. Yeah. There's something that's agile related that has actually really, it's been on my mind lately. Uh, and and in my heart and so I, I want to give voice to it because I'm thinking I'm not the only one who might be thinking this way um, I'm really bothered, mm, bothered. <laughs> I'm bothered I'm hot and bothered I hear um, you. here I am in Berkeley my alma mater where I used to be a young chemical engineering student many many years ago and I think about what's going on in the world today and this is Berkeley. This is like the home of the free speech movement, right? Yeah. Like this is where free speech was born. And what's going on in the world today that's bumming me out um, in this beautiful place of Berkeley that I love so much, even though I don't agree with uh, certain politics, it's, it's not safe for someone to wear a MAGA hat. Here ah, on Berkeley campus, MAGA. And even though what is MAGA I anyway? As you make like, America great again. Oh, there you go. There you go. And okay. and even though I did not vote for Trump, yeah, I I would like to live in a world where it's safe to talk about who you represent, who you vote for, and why. Even if I disagree with you, even if I don't like you, yeah, I would like a world that's safe enough for us all to express ourselves in ways that don't create harm and don't generate harm. So you're talking about free speech with safety. Well, it's more than that. I, if I were to give this podcast a title, yeah, um, I'd like to thank Alicia McLean for this inspiration. We had a lovely conversation earlier, the, the Agile coach in San Diego. The title would be, How Do We Go High Without Going Weak? Mm. I love that. That, that is such a great. <laughs> that is such a great topic. How do we go high without going weak? Yeah. Explain more. Tell me more. 
Okay, so, I mean, it, the, what's bothering me is so much more than just Berkeley. It's the world. Mm. <laughs> you know, one thing that I love about what's going on right now is that we're all kind of waking up. We're all getting woke, so to speak. Yeah. And, and it's about time, and we've got a long way to go still. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's something I'm happy about. What I'm not happy about and what deeply disturbs me is how we're going about doing it. And what's happening is in the name of justice, in the name of beautiful, precious social justice that is so overdue on so many fronts, the way we're going about it is we're calling people out. And when we call people out, we punish and we isolate. Mm. And so I don't see that as solving any problems. We might protect people, we might send a message, we might actually get the kind of changes that we want, but the offenders that we are creating to be outcasts, I don't think that's transforming them. I think it's actually maybe even hardening people. So give me an example. Sure. Uh, Let's talk about an example so that people can really connect with. Absolutely. So, like, um, a couple things come to mind. I'll I'll give you sort of both a liberal and a conservative (laughs) example. (laughs) This is just my dinner conversation tonight, like, talking about, like, what's going on in the world? So, like, here's one. Um, Megyn Kelly, the NBC, um, what what do you call it, anchor, right? You know, my understanding, and, and forgive me if I don't have all the details right, but I believe she, her, her show was canceled mm-hmm. for making a blackface comment. Okay. Okay. So, uh, do I support blackface comments? Absolutely not, right? Right. Do I think that she should be held accountable for making a statement that is not just charged, but has, like, it's related to a lot of harmful stuff in this world, and someone in her position should know better. Um, So do I think she should be held accountable for that? Absolutely. However, the way it happened, if I had a magic wand, I would do it differently. Right. Um, So instead of, and this isn't just these examples, this is I think our larger culture in the United States, is when harm is done, when a crime has been committed or someone has committed something harmful, we punish and we isolate versus doing something that's called more restorative practices. So, I mean, if, if I were queen of the world, mm-hmm. I, instead of canceling Megan's show, shaming her and making her an outcast, which will probably, honestly, probably give her every reason to be even more pissed off and hardened and, you know, those damn liberals, you know, <laughs> whatever, mm-hmm. I would love to just to say, you know, Megan, you know, maybe that was a thoughtless comment on your part. I don't know your intention. I don't know how ignorant versus, you know, you are. I, I don't know that. However, if you want your show back, here's the deal. Why don't you spend a year working with the Southern Poverty Law Center or the NAACP or do something where you're working really closely with African Americans, dealing with the stuff that they have to deal with every day and they get to determine after a year whether you're ready to take your job back yeah. with new eyes and a new heart. Well, not a new heart, a, m- a more open heart yeah. and more informed heart. So, so let me ask you the other side of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to it's not one way. No, it's not yeah. one way conversation. Well, now l- let's take, for example, someone who has committed a crime. 
right? Oh, good point. Now, someone yeah. would they still get the same benefits of the doubt as Megan Kelly did? Yeah. Because you know what happens in inner cities where you have many people who are like, you know, three strikes, three strikes, and you're done. Yeah. Right. So how would we apply the same principles? Because we want it to be fair Absolutely. for everyone. Right. I mean, if someone sold drugs or committed a crime, you know, what would be their, what would be the restorative justice for them? That's a great question. Um, so I've, I've actually thought about this because like, what about a murderer or a rapist? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, first of all, I want to make this really clear. You know, even though, as as you know, I'm I'm here at this this agile you know coaching retreat. Yeah. You know, to be like I I'm here all about empathy, right? Yeah. Like that's my thing. That's yeah. that's what I that's how I would love to see the world to be empathetic. But but the the biggest misconception that I want to just just completely dispel right now, and in, especially in the context of your question, is that doesn't mean just because I'm pro empathy doesn't mean that I'm anti accountability. Mm. So if you've created harm in this world, there needs to be justice. And, and you gotta, you know, you gotta make it right. Yeah. And, and what happens is a lot of our criminals who do genuine harm don't even get a chance to make it right. We just punish you and isolate you and lock you up. Right. You know, what if you stole money? What if we give you a chance to work it off and pay it back? Yeah. You know, what, I mean, and you can deny that choice and go to prison instead, but what if we treat you as a human first? And, and, you know, help you understand how what you did really hurt someone, you know. So, so you, you asked for an example in the other direction. This is something that really bugs me um, in terms of, you know, and, and even for myself with my own progressive leanings, it bugs me about my own fellow progressives is that we are just, we've become haters of haters. Mm. We've become intolerant of the intolerant. We are fighting fire with fire. You know, the, the old sayings, what, eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. That's correct. Fighting fire with fire leaves, you know, everyone, like, burned burn to hell, basically. <laughs> so, so here's a real-life example. You know, we all know the Harvey Weinstein, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to show your junk in the workplace, and, and that, is a cr that is a crime. That, that's, that's horrible. That is, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, you know... Do I want to give this guy a second chance? Absolutely not. I don't, I don't think that's redeemable. Here's what bugs me, though, is that I think a lot of people that are my brethren here who feel the same way about these issues will lump together in that egregious monstrosity of, of an act the, the, the boss that might thoughtless, kind of like Megyn Kelly, like, like thoughtlessly say, wow, you look really pretty in that outfit today. Yeah. Yeah. Is that appropriate workplace, con you know, conduct today with what we know now? Absolutely not. Right. But, but we're like lumping people who will make that kind of thoughtless comment. Oh, you look pretty today. And treating them like a Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. You know, um, and I've, I've seen this um, on campuses. Like I said, a student who might want to wear uh, a pro-Trump T-shirt or hat isn't safe walking across the campus square. Um, and so it's how do we just create a safe space for everyone to exist? And, and I, I agree with you that there, there should be safety um, for free speech because wearing that shirt or hat is free speech. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and we should have that in this country or wherever we are. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially since it's part of 
<laughs> the very first amendment yeah. right you know we should have that right to to say what we need to we, you know and be very tolerant yeah. of, of that yes and here's what worries me um and, and and thus the title of this podcast how do we go high without going weak yeah i mean there's i think of rwanda Okay, and and what happened there? Now, now, granted, the, the United States is not Rwanda, yeah. But there's something that happened there with power, that I think we are very vulnerable to here, and might even be on the road to in our own way, which is, someone once said about Rwanda, even though the entire village, you know, might be peaceful, all it takes is two people with a pickup truck and machetes to completely dominate a village. Are they in the minority? Yes. Are they uh, just a couple extremists? Yes. But that's still enough to leave the entire village with slashed Achilles tendons, not able to walk, and you know, people murdered and raped and horrible things. I'm not saying that's the intention of people in the United States, but the idea that a few people who are willing to play dirty can completely dominate a peace-loving majority. Yeah. And I'd like to believe that the United States is like that for all of the the airtime and press time and and even, you know, quote neutral uh news stations. I'm so tired of everyone talking about politics like sports teams. You know, I'd like to hear how does this affect the people, not how does this affect the party, whatever the party is. I'm so sick of that. Let's talk about the people. And what's up for us? And I'd like to believe that we agree on most things. I'd like to believe that maybe I may not like your strategy, but I can understand and appreciate your reasons for that. And so I'd like to believe that we're probably a lot more together on things than maybe TV gives us credit for. And having said that, how does this link to Rwanda? Is that I believe that there are a few people a very small amount of people in this country who are willing to play dirty on maybe either extreme side, although I would say one side is probably a little more pro-gun and weaponry yeah. than the other, a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, uh, and this might seem like a far out trajectory, but I really can see how we can get to a place of violence in this country by a few people who don't mind hurting others and playing really, really dirty and using weapons for the rest of us, left and right, yeah. who agree on probably most stuff and who want peace. So how do we go high without going weak? Mm. Right? Because to, to me, that is really um, the true question. You know, How do we deal with some of the things that people say in the workplace, in, in life? And, and really not be what they call patsies, per se. Right, exactly. Okay. That's a great question, and it's one that I still ponder. Mm -hmm. So there's a few things that come up. One is looking at restorative practices instead of punitive practices. Okay. And, and I know that, that can sound kind of cerebral, but this whole idea of uh, we have this culture of calling people out. And, and I love that we're all getting woke and that we're, we're holding people accountable. I love that, regardless of which side you're on. I mean, let's hold people accountable for, for anything, whether you're on the right or left. If you're denying someone a basic freedom, 
you know, let's hold each other, or, or creating harm. Let's hold each other accountable. Um, I'm sorry, I just got passionate enough that I just forgot your question. Remind me again, please. Well, we're, ju we're just talking about how do we go high oh, uh, without going yeah, weak. Yeah, thank right? you. I mean, I think that's important, right? Restorative justice. Yeah, and restorative practices. Yeah. So, so there's two things that I'd like to see. One is, can we call people in before we decide to call them out? Right. And what I mean by that is if someone says something offensive, let, let, let's use a really, really almost trivial example that, that let's say at the dinner table, you know, grandpa says, oh, I see you have an oriental friend, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, oh. Right. And, yeah. and instead of like jumping all over grandpa, it's like, it's not oriental, it's Asian. And by the way, it's not even Asian friend, it's just friend, yes. right? And just like totally shaming and jumping all over, you know, instead of publicly shaming, you know, I say, hey, grandpa, you know, we, we don't use that word anymore. And here's why. And, and, and not taking it personally. And, and, you know, it's like this is, an, this is a learning moment. But the whole idea of using, and this is not about grandpa. I mean, this is even about the big stuff. But using shame as a tactic, calling people out with shame and trying to shut people down it might get it actually can succeed in getting the kind of behavior or change we want but i don't think it's a, it's sustainable change because it's the kind of change that would just postpone the problem and the culprit who created the farm that harmed the first place will probably hate you even more for shaming them yeah so i don't see any transformation i just see forced change that really doesn't change hearts or minds and so i would love to see calling people in before they call people out so back to the megan kelly example say hey megan you know maybe you did maybe you didn't know what you were saying when you made that blackface comment you know would you be willing to instead of an alternative to losing your show and being canceled which is what happened you know would you be willing to spend some time you know in social justice working with people who are on the front lines, so you can kind of see why this comment that didn't seem like a big deal to you really is a big deal to other people. Yeah, you know? but technically she would still lose her show because she would have to be off air for a year while she's going through this process. That's so, true. I'm, I'm uh, saying yeah. arbitrarily. Yeah. Or, um, but yeah, you know, what what would that mean to you? And, 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 and then you can start again with our network, come yeah. back to NBC, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, an, a, a simpler example is, and, and I, this is a true story that I heard in Brazil where there's a lot of social justice, restorative justice stuff going on, is, you know, a kid in the favelas, because there's, you know, the, the police don't even govern there because it's just too crazy in, in the slums. You know, a kid steals a, a taxi driver's car and goes for a joyride and wrecks it. Mm -hmm. and, and instead of sending that kid to juvenile prison, um, they opted for a restorative justice approach where with a mediator um, basically said, you, you, can, you have two choices, kid. You can go straight to juvenile prison or whatever, or you could try to make it right with this, this taxi driver. And so in a session, he, he got to be face-to-face -face with the driver and his family and hear the driver talk about how this pretty much wrecked his livelihood yeah. and, and the impact it's going to have on his family. And then the kid gets to basically express or maybe not, whether he's capable of having empathy and understanding of how his actions impacted a neighbor. 
someone in his community, someone who has a family, and he has a family. And so it was up to the taxi driver to make the determination, do you go to prison, you know, or can we come to something that makes it right? Yeah. And so my understanding of this story, how it was told to me as the kid, after really taking to heart the, the harm that he did, that he said, you know, I really have almost nothing to offer you, but I'll give you everything I have because I see how my actions took everything that you had. Yeah. And supposedly the taxi driver was so moved by that that um, he, I think, he somehow offered the kid, like, some job or something that he could kind of work it off. And and in this way, they actually got closer, and he accepted responsibility for his harm. And the taxi driver would never got, you know, would never get the exact amount for his car back. But these are two human beings now seeing each other as human beings, you know, trying to be generous with each other to to come together. Yeah. So it it would it would almost seem that we would have to have a way to create an equitable form of work so that it doesn't become harmful on for the person who have created harm. Because, you know, b- b- people are vindictive, right? Absolutely. It's like, oh, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back and, and make it worse. So we would have to create a system in, in some way Yes. Th- that, you know, we could k- make sure that both parties are held accountable in, in the context that one person who has to do the restoration gets to do the work that's necessary. Exactly. That's why we have yeah. trained mediators and yeah. court systems. I okay. understand in Seoul, Korea, they, the, that the court system there also has an agreement with the Korean Center for Nonviolent mm-hmm. Communication. Um, for juvenile court, you know, again, to, to meet with kids who committed harm and meet with the people that received that harm Yeah. and, and see if they could negotiate uh, an agreement on how that kid could make it right. And if they didn't come to agreement, that kid can still go to juvie, basically. Yeah. Um, so it, we need systems, we need laws and, and structure to support that. I don't think it's just up to us as kind of individuals or vigilantes to, <laughs> to try to <laughs> make it right. You can't do that in our neighborhoods. But yeah. would, would we attempt to do that in a corporate setting um, with yeah. HR? I mean, cause yeah. that's, that's the next interesting space to move that to, right? I totally, you know, yeah. and I've thought about this because, you know, I've done so much work with HR and I yeah. used to be part of HR for Southern California Edison when yeah. I ran a leadership program there. And I've, I mean, we've all seen this, those of us who've worked for big companies, you know, someone's doing something harmful or, so, you know, some, something wrong. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're gone. They disappear. We assume they've been terminated and no one's allowed to talk about it. And then we're just left guessing what happened. And they're legally can't talk about it. And then now there's this culture of fear. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Am I next? You know. Yeah. And and so that's a that's a great question because you know I think I actually have a lot of empathy for people in HR because I think they're legitimately torn between serving two different purposes that do not necessarily agree with them. Are you really here to represent the employee? Are you here to represent to protect the corporation? I think it's more of the latter, and I think we should stop calling them human resources and maybe corporate resources, yeah. right? Or or shareholders resources, yeah. uh, you know, whatever else, because it's it's <laughs> it's really not about the human beings who are working there. I, well, yeah. in my humble opinion. Well, and this is this is why you know, with my own practice in nonviolent communication and bringing it to organizations like like I am to this this retreat. Yeah. 
I really do. How can I put it? Human beings long to be human. Yeah. You know, I think it's a basic drive for us. And and I think so much can get in the way. Like, yeah, you need to protect the company that pays you. And yet, I think the more we can do this work, the more we can remember the human and the humanity part. And, and, and a, a, a lovely case in point is um, a couple of years ago, I was um, running, I, I, I was asked to teach a coaching class for a lot of the HR managers at UC Irvine. They, they don't have just one, you know. Yeah. Man, I mean, there's like all kinds of man HR managers for all, the university is so massive and they have so many parts to them. So a whole a whole class full of HR managers got a coaching class from me. And this came up in some of our exercises. It's like, well, what if an employee comes to me with a legitimate discrimination case, you know, and, and I'm here to help protect the organization, but at the same time, I'm a human being and they might have a, a really just legal case. You know, it's it would be out of rank for me to say, you should go sue my employer. Right. You know, at the same time, how can I legitimately help that person and let them know that they could find resources if they needed to? So, I, you know, I don't have a right answer or a solution to that, but what I love about that is that here's a human being knowing that, yeah, you know, there is pressure for them to protect the university from lawsuits, but here's a human being seeing uh, in a coaching scenario, you know, what happens if I see another human being who is suffering an injustice? And and just for them to connect with their own hearts that I, I, I don't want to be the conveyor of an injustice. So let that be a delicious dilemma. Yeah. Because we need more people who can feel that versus, um, you know, someone who's willing to push the button of the bomb or, or you know, fly over Hiroshima, you know, or push the button at Auschwitz who said, I did it because I'm a good person, but it was my job and I was yeah. told to do it. You know, the more we can connect people to the humanity and the hearts of their job and see the impact of their compliance, if they choose to comply, the more I'm hoping people will make more humane choices, even if it means they're going to compromise their job. So, so let's let's talk about um, really quickly about your empathy dojo that you're doing, <laughs> so we can sure. you know bring this back into you know empathy and uh, at this conference. Um, Absolutely. What do you want your attendees, me included. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for rearranging your flight just to go to this a second time. I'm like crazy time. honored. Thank yeah. you. You know, what, what do you want? Um, what do you want us to get, get out of this? Yeah. What, what's, what's, what's what in this? Well, you know, it, as you know, like the, the larger umbrella of my work is nonviolent communication. And yeah. for those who aren't familiar with that, it's basically a, just a really crazy, crazy, simple framework for how to practice empathy and not just in the workplace but for all of our lives and and for all of our work in the agile community on the value of psychological safety of empathy of collaboration all that you know we know how important it is but we the how how do you do that yeah you know there's some people be who believe some people are incapable of empathy and i say that's not true if you're willing there's some really easy ways to learn so uh, Given that more broader introduction, 
um, they're the dojo, the empathy dojo is really specific, and I love it for its specificity, which is basically how to, uh, instead of having one of these, what, what we call a career-limiting reaction, uh-huh. <laughs> mm. how to access empathy instead. Yeah. So, you know, for any of us who have sent that angry email and regretted it, you know, for any of us who've, like, gotten defensive and later it's like, dang, I really took that personally and I probably shouldn't have, yep. you know, or for anyone who's had, like, a career-limiting meltdown, you know, this is a practice that I use myself when I'm really stuck. And, and what I love about it, it it's, it's a kinesthetic process based on four body postures. So that if someone, like, if there's something that really triggers us, whether some, something someone says or does or a situation, there's four easy steps that, that are really easy to remember. And each step comes with a physical posture and a little exercise, like a little personal dialogue that goes basically deconstructs a reaction Mm -hmm. into self-empathy and empathy for the other person and this is like what I would do in my car on the way to the big meeting you know or before I write that crazy email 405 totally (laughs) and and you know it's funny for people who've been practicing I mean what I love about this too there's so many people who've been practicing nonviolent communication in in the business field I was I was at Apple just two days ago for doing a two-day training and my client was surprised that he had never heard of nonviolent communication before. And then when he went to go introduce the training, he's like, you know what? Just this week, someone else came to me about nonviolent communication. <laughs> like, like, so it's like people yeah. are starting to catch on to it. Yeah. Uh, and and I, love, I love that it's really gaining traction in organizations for all the great stuff it can do. So um, back to the dojo. Some people ask, why can't I just go straight to empathy? Why... You know, I'm I'm studying all this stuff so that I can be empath. Why are Why are you taking me through these four steps where I kind of have to pass through hell before I get to heaven? Yeah. Because this is the joy of this. The the first two steps is like we we walk through the valley of the shadow of death <laughs> first. You know, we go through all the <laughs> ugly go, stuff first. Oh wow. You know, yeah. before we can get to the to the 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 the, the lighter stuff and, mm-hmm. and and the 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 compassion part. So why do you go through the dark stuff? And not why don't you just go straight to empathy? And, and and the reason is, in my own experience, when I've been stuck, it's because I haven't let myself just be uneditedly ugly for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like yeah. in, in communication, we call it like the jackal. You know, yeah. letting that 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 like that, that wild part of ourselves just howl and run and curse, and whether it's spiraling down in a in a fit of self pity or mm-hmm. whether it's just wanting to scream and kill someone, to do that in a safe place, just to let that out. Um, Because what I found is that if I don't acknowledge that wild side of me, and if I try to go straight to Gandhi, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) or straight to Buddha, that just doesn't work sometimes for the really deep stuff. Yeah. So I kind of need to stay on the dark side for a while and see what's really under that. And with time, it'll reveal itself. Um, so I like this empathy dojo for the really tough stuff. Yeah. Not, not for the, oh, that driver cut me off on a freeway. I can have empathy and calm myself down for that. <laughs> but for the big stuff, the stuff that I might hold resentment for for years, yeah. I love this practice. That's wonderful. So if you want people to reach out to you so they could, sure. like, you know, ask you questions, 
um, you know, maybe sit down and get into like a ball of pity and, (laughs) 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 you know, get some love from you. Um, How do they reach out to you? Well, um, well, first of all, I don't don't know if I want to be a sponge for people's pity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but if people well, want to learn how to how to work with their own pity, tweet. yeah, yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter at working underscore harmony. Yeah. Uh, I'm also got a Facebook page um, and uh, under uh, working harmony, and uh, most of my stuff is on LinkedIn, and okay. that's under Lorraine Aguilar. And what else? Oh, and I also have a web page. A modest one, but it works. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's workingharmony.com, and if you go to my la- name too, lorraineaguilar.com, it'll send you to the same place. Wonderful. So great Sweet. people could connect with you. They could get some information. Absolutely. And if they just need you to come in and just calm them down, get them off the chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> come on down. Yeah, come on down. Now maybe I'll sing that Sia song yeah. and just jump up with them. <laughs> to swing from the chandeliers anyway that's the musician in me coming out it's time to grab my guitar pretty soon it's after hours that's right that's right well thank you so much for uh sitting down and like just sharing your thoughts about um how do we get high when without going weak you know how do we you know, go high without getting going that was weak, the birthday right? version how do we get high without going weak yeah i think that's <laughs> Did what I you just said, said yeah, that? Yeah. yeah yeah yesterday yeah, was my yeah, birthday that's the, berkeley, that's the berkeley version that's the berkeley like, version yeah, how do yeah, we the, get the, high without going yeah, yeah, weak the, how do we go high <laughs> let's go high <laughs> going well, and then we'll get high without going weak. okay that, that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> dr dave thank you oh, thank you so much for that. hello this is dr dave cornelius again Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to add to your awesomeness journey with this learning experience to obtain new knowledge. We are grateful to those who support us. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit www.nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. Nalshare.org also provides online workshops for PDUs and SEUs to help you maintain your existing professional development certification and achieve new ones. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays Agile Education Program. Visit www.the5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. That's www.5saturdays.org. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Prayers to My Abba Father God, on Amazon.com a focus on prayer to enable spiritual growth. You will also find his books, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? and Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way on Amazon.com. Look for the Nalsha with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Nalsha with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. 
If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. Copyright 2019 Nalshare. Until next time, find your awesomeness. <laughs>